We want to welcome all of you to our services here today at Grace Church in Franklin, and we also want to welcome many who are watching by YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video. David said in Psalm 134, Bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place, the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. We're glad to see all of you who are here today. We expect more coming in. We're still suffering the ravages of uh, the coronavirus. Many people are afraid to get out, but uh, I'm told that it uh, is a lot better and especially here in our area. The last I heard, you know how many people were in the hospital with coronavirus in all of Williamson County? 21 people, 21 people. And I don't think that 19 of them were here this morning. What do you think? Okay, so glad to see you, glad to see uh, Dolores Clark here today also. She and Carl have been very, very sick. It hadn't been coronavirus, but it's been other things. and. Pay attention to those who are not here and give them a call and let them know that we're missing them. And now we're going to praise the Lord. Joshua is going to come and lead us in some singing. Good morning, everybody. As you see it up on the board, we're going to sing 10,000 reasons this morning. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. If y'all would stand up with us. Good morning to you got it on the board. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul. 
I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. Worship his holy name. Sing like never before. Soul, I'll worship your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Yes, I will worship your holy name. I will worship your holy name. Amen. Let the Lord's people say amen. 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 All right, y'all can be seated. We'll have some announcements. We'll sing some more songs to the Lord. Good morning. I want to welcome all of our first-time visitors, and we have some prayer requests we'd like to make mention of. Uh, we praise the Lord that Benny Hargrove is home from the hospital after undergoing open-heart surgery to repair a blockage and an aneurysm. Uh, Benny is doing very well. Uh, Joe and Linda Turner has also asked prayer for their daughter Tracy, uh, who had a mini-stroke early yesterday morning. She seems to be doing okay, but they are going to do uh, several tests to see if any damage was done. Uh, we're thankful again that... Uh, Carl and Dolores Clark are back with us today after both suffered a bout of bronchitis. Also, we also praise the Lord that uh, Lee and Judy are both recovering well from a recent illness. Uh, they've opted to stay home today because there's some lingering congestion, uh, but plan to be back with us next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, Todd Horton is home recovering from a recent sickness and appreciates your prayers. Also, we want to pray for the family of Lindsey Campbell, uh, who recently passed away. Also for Carl Perry, who's recovering from recent throat surgery. Uh, Joe Moran has a friend in Georgia that he works with, Jay Copeland, uh, who is having some medical issues. We ask you to lift him up before the Lord. Um, in addition to the multiple pain sources that Pat Jackson has, uh, she fell this past week and cracked her hip. Uh, she will soon have additional studies regarding uh, possible stomach cancer as well. So be sure and lift her up before the Lord. Nelson and Linda uh, have asked prayer for their grandson who has... Uh, melanoma. Uh, they've also asked prayer on behalf of Angela Whitley. Oh. Okay, so that's uh, Nelson and Linda's grand or nephew, not grandson. Gotcha. Well, they've also asked prayer for uh, Angela Whitley, a recent heart transplant cert patient and friend of their daughter-in-law, uh, who is who has a pleural effusion uh, that is causing some concern. I want to ask you also remember Evelyn Carico's sister Betty. Uh, she's having some cardiac issues. Uh, Mike Vondren is to have knee replacement surgery soon. So I ask that you remember both he and Dorothy before the Lord. You continue to lift up uh, Shirley Murphy before the Lord as well as for 
Beth Moran's niece, Lori Jackson, who's battling cancer. Also continue to remember Howie Smith as he serves in the military. And also for my wife, Shannon, as she's having some continuing back problems, we ask that you be pleased to lift her up before the Lord. Um, as a reminder, if you have uh, like to support the ministry of Grace Church, you may place an offering in the box located in the foyer. Is there any other prayer requests we'd like to make? Yes, sir. All right, Randy Smith, Larry's brothers had some surgery recently. Some neck surgeries. We ask that you lift him up before the Lord. Yes, ma'am. Wendy and Bob Smith. Yep. Okay. All right. Remember to lift up them. Anyone else? Yep. Wally and Mary. They were here last week. We praise the Lord for that. Just ask you to continue to remember them before the Lord. All right. And we'll have some more songs. Well, we don't know where uh, John is this morning, so let's remember him, too, before the Lord. That's not usually like him, so hopefully everything's okay with him. Um, seven, number 72 in the hymnal, good morning again. If anybody's just now joining us over the Internet, uh, we want to say welcome to you as well on YouTube, uh, Ustream, and Sermon Audio, Sermon Audio Video. <clears throat> 72, Still, Still With Thee. This is a Harriet Beecher Stowe hymn, good hymn. Still, still with thee, when purple morning breaketh, when the bird waketh and the shadows flee, fairer than morning, lovelier than daylight, dawns the sweet consciousness I am with thee. Alone with thee amid the mystic shadows, the solemn hush of nature newly born. Alone with thee in breathless adoration, in the calm dew and freshness of the morn. Still, still with thee, as to each newborn morning, a fresh and solemn splendor still is given. So doth this blessed consciousness awaking, breathe each day nearness unto thee and heaven. The soul subdued by toil to slumber, its closing eyes look up to thee in prayer. Sweet the repose beneath thy wings or shading, but sweeter still to wake and find thee there. So shall it be at last in that bright morning when the soul waketh and life's shadows flee oh in that hour fairer than daylight dawning shall rise the glorious thought I am 
Did y'all catch all those words? I know it's kind of a complicated one to sing. Like Miss Lynn said this morning, she said, that's a hard one to sing. It is. That's kind of hard. But great hymn, if you ever get a chance to go back and look in the hymnal, number 72, or look it up online. It's a great, great hymn. Let's see, Miss Sue, what are we doing next? We're doing your mama's song next, right? This, uh, this is called Give Me Light, and Sue's mama wrote this in the garden, right? One morning? In the morning in the garden, she wrote this. Give me light. 19 what? 1961. In 1961. So I don't think Sue's mom, any of her music was never really published, was it? But she, she wrote a myriad of, of hymns and songs, though. And like Sue says, probably one day they will be. This is a great little song. Give me light. Y'all want to stand up? Can we stand? Just a pilgrim down here Called by God on a mission Trying to tell the good news on my way Fill my heart with compassion Give me zeal, revelation Give me light as I journey on my way Give me grace, give me courage Give me faith, lest I falter Help me, Lord, as I try each passing day As I journey on my way I'm not asking for fame Or for worldly possessions Just enough to get by this I pray But the grace I need most To be filled with the Spirit And the light to walk in on my way Oh, give me grace, give me courage Give me faith, lest I falter passing day when my cross gets too heavy take the burden I'm carrying give me light as I journey on my way must go on and I can't turn back though my cross may get heavy I'm in debt made a vow I must pay made a covenant with my Lord I'm determined to go on give me as I journey on my way Give me grace, give me courage, give me faith Lest I falter, help me Lord As I try each passing day When my cross gets too heavy Take the burden I'm carrying Give me light as I journey Mister, this is your mom's song, take a round on it your hands with us. Give me grace, give me courage, give me faith, lest I falter. Help me, Lord, as I try each passing day. When the cross gets too heavy, take the burden I'm carrying. Give me light as I journey on my way. Give me light as I journey on my way. Isn't that good? Good stuff. All right. If you can remain standing, that'd be great, and we'll have some more singing here.
Well, we greet all of you today. We're glad to see you. You can, you can, be, you can be seated. I think you can, you can have a seat. Let me see. I probably will not be able to hear if you say anything, but uh, are Todd and Pam Horton here? Okay, there they are back there. That's, that's Pam. I didn't see you. Joe Moran, you said he's in Georgia? No, he's up there. Uh, Bob and Julie Castle, they're on the way back from North Carolina. Lee and Judy, they're home recovering from illness. Uh, we've got a lot of people, really, who are not here today, and uh, many of them are just afraid to get out. What? looks very thin back there. <laughs> what I don't understand is yeah, why everybody uh, sits in the back. And you, you know, know, the church ought to be, the building should be going like this <laughs> when we look up here. But the thing is, is he won't bite. So, you know, when you was in school, if you really wanted to learn something, you got up front. I did. Because I couldn't be distracted, you know. <laughs> but everybody. But another thing, too, you know, even the music today, Sue and Trace are doing a great job, but John, who plays the drums, is not here. He's Boy, I can tell. He's in Gatlinburg. When John's not here, huh? He's in Gatlinburg on his yearly. Gatlinburg, okay. Well, family. at least we know he's not ill, he's not sick. <laughs> All right, here's an old song Lynn and I are going to try to do for you. And then we'll get you to sing something with us, okay? Protect me by thy power 
Jesus, hold my hand. When I kneel in prayer, when I kneel in prayer, I hope to meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Now sing this one with us. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the grave, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Help us out this time now. Come on. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. He has risen from the dead. And He is Lord. Every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Our Father, we call upon you in this hour in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave gave himself for us. We have met together today to worship him. We pray that you'll help us to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and worship him. We worship him because he is all of our righteousness. He's all of our salvation. He's all that we need to stand before you in a perfect in a perfect state. Father, we do pray for our nation. We ask that you will turn the hearts of the people back unto thee, that we will begin to see folks calling out to know the Lord, seeking the Lord while he may be found, calling upon him while he is near. I pray that you'll raise up men and women who believe the Bible, who believe the Word of God, and who will take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, and who will not be ashamed. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I pray that you'll help us this morning. Lord, as we open your Word, that you'll help us to see what you have for us there and that you will minister to our spirits and to our hearts for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do lift up to you today all of those who are sick, who are ill. There are some traveling, there are some out of town, but we pray for those who are ill. We pray for those who are ill and do not know you, that there might be a healing of their souls first and then a healing of their bodies. We thank you for those who are here with us today who have been healed by you, that you have touched them and you have raised them up and you've given them a desire to be among the people of God today in this very place. We pray for the people of God wherever they are, wherever they're meeting, and those who are teaching them that all might be done to the honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in whose name I pray, for whose sake I ask these things. Amen. All right, if you'll take your Bibles, if you'll stand together with me, turn to Genesis 39.
help us as we do each week when we study God's Word. We believe the Bible is God's holy word. We believe it's his revelation to fallen men and especially to his children. So I want you to pray for me today as I open the word and pray for yourselves that you might have an understanding of what we look at. Father, I stretch my Genesis chapter 39, good to see all of you who are here today, good to have you, and we are thankful uh, that you're here. We welcome those of you who are visiting with us, and if this is your first time, uh, sign our guest book. Uh, We're not going to bother you, we'd just like to have a record of those who come and worship with us. The Lord has blessed us in spite of this coronavirus, He's blessed us to keep things going, and even pay off bills. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not. I think most of us take things for granted. Sue said, for example, Sue plays our piano. She said she'd been without water for two days. She said she she never appreciated water (laughs) until she was without it. That's a broken pipe. And they fixed that pipe, and then the pressure on the rest of it broke another part of it. And I think we take so many things for granted. How many of you tell the truth now? How many of you noticed that there's a brand new parking lot out there? Well, more than I thought. They they paved that entire parking lot out there, restriped it, redid everything, and they did it in in two or three days. And we're thankful for Brother Foster for being up on that. He's the one that found the company. They gave us the best price of any of them, and they did a really good job, a really good job. We're thankful for that. And... uh, we need to share with you from time to time. I plan on taking a Sunday to do it and share with you the, the ministries that this church supports besides this ministry here, besides the Internet and other things. We have several ministries that you support through the ministry of Grace Church at Franklin. All right, today, if you look up there on the board, this is the 15th study. And you've got a big title up there, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to difficult for you to understand if you follow along with me, the nature and the invincibility of the divine presence. The nature and the invincibility of the divine presence. Now, we've learned that Joseph was prospering. It's told in Genesis 39 and verse 2 that Joseph was a prosperous man. And uh, the phrase that I want you to focus on, which is what this title is based on, is found in that verse, verse 2, and here it is. And the Lord was with Joseph. 
You see that? Verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. May the Lord add his blessings on the reading of his word. Let God's people say praise the Lord. And you may be seated. The nature and the invincibility of the divine presence. The Lord was with Joseph. When God told Israel, or when David said, we're going to build a house for God, and the Lord said, I never told you at any time to build a house for me. But when he built that house, they never thought that God would dwell in the house. Solomon himself said, even the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have built. David's son Solomon built that temple. And in that temple, there was, a, there was an outer court, and there was what they call a holy place, and then there was a holy of holies. And the holy of holies, only the high priest could go into the holy of holies, and he could only go in there once a year. And when he went in, he had to be very sure that he went in correctly and properly because God said, if you come in and you don't come in properly, he said, you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead. And the priest would have this robe on, and behind him he'd have these bells, and the people would be outside listening, and as long as they heard the bells tingling and ringling while he was moving around in there, they knew everything was well. But guess what? In that Holy of Holies, there was a chest there called the Ark of the Covenant. Just a square like a chest. It was cedar and it was covered with gold. And it had a lid on it. And uh, the lid had two angelic creatures leaning toward each other. Their wings like this, and it was just a small, just a little teeny space between the tips of their wings and it was right there in that little tiny space God said I'll meet you right there I'll meet you right there you know one thing we're finding out about in uh, technology today because of computers we're finding out that space is infinite you've never reached the bottom of anything uh, when they discovered the atom A-T-O-M atom that word means indivisible. And when they discovered that, they thought, this is the bottom line. But now they found out that you can divide the atom, blow up the atom, split the atom. You got a nucleus, you got a proton, you got a neutron. And then you get in those things, you got a whole other universe. Well, God Almighty, the God of the Bible, is everywhere with all of his being at the same time. There's no place he's not. He's not only in heaven in his glory, but hell can't exist without God. Heaven is the glory and the blessing and the grace and the bliss of God, but hell is the wrath and the anger and the judgment of God. Nothing can exist without the Lord. What we're interested in, of course, is this divine presence that was with Joseph in the way that he was with Joseph. In spite of the fact that everything was against him, torn from his father, torn from his home, taken out of his country, sold by his brothers at the tender age of 17, he ended up a slave in the house of a heathen sun worshiper in Egypt. 
But when Joseph arrived, things began to change. Look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his master's sight, Potiphar's sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass, verse 5, from the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left everything in Joseph's hands, the next verse says. He didn't know how much his stock was worth. He didn't know how his corporations were doing. He didn't know about anything. Everything was in the hand of Joseph. And it started when Joseph arrived. But it wasn't Joseph, really. It was the divine presence with Joseph. It was the Lord who was blessing through Joseph. How are we to account for these extraordinary blessings the divine presence. And this brings us to the burden of this message. Two points. The nature of God's blessings and the invincibility of God's blessings. And I'm going to try to apply these to you and to me. So we see in verse 2 that the Lord was with Joseph. Let me talk to you about the nature of God's blessings We've already established in the previous studies that the hand of the Lord, that is the favor and the blessing of the Lord, was upon Joseph. But what was the nature of that favor? And this is what we're going to consider now. Now here's the first thing I want you to think about. The fact that the Lord is with us does not always mean the sun is shining and you feel like you just won the lottery. I said, the fact that the Lord is with us does not mean the sun is always shining and that you feel like you've just won the lottery. You see, what we're doing right now, we are learning and focusing on what we might call the high points of Joseph's life, but we often forget the low points. And the reason we don't need to forget the low points is because we all have them. And some of us may feel that we have more low points than we have high points. So let me ask this question. Was the Lord with Joseph when he was sold by his brothers? Was the Lord with Joseph when he was sold to Potiphar? Here's the point. The Lord is with you. You belong to him through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is with you in spite of your circumstances, you are in his care. And I will even say you are in his perfect will, even if you are in dire circumstances. Think about it. He will use those circumstances for your good and for his glory. Now let me ask you this. Always, anytime you study any doctrine, you should always relate that to our Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you this, was our Savior 
in the Father's perfect will when he was being hated and cursed by men? Was the Father with him when he was crucified? Here's our problem. Too often we equate, we equate our status in the world and with the world as the measure of God's blessings. There have been people who have gone through this world who were poor, who didn't have, I tell you what, I hadn't planned on doing this. Most of you know where this is, but turn to the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'll just read this very quickly for you. Hebrews chapter 11. If you know uh, a little bit about the Bible, you know that Hebrews 11 is about the so-called heroes of faith. It's about all of the people who lived uh, by faith, trusting in the Lord, looking to Him, and they were victorious through faith. But victorious through faith doesn't mean what I just said, that you always feel like the sun is shining and you just won the lottery. <laughs> victorious through faith means, and I'm going to say this several times today, victorious through faith means Number one, that God is still with you, that He hasn't cast you off. And number two, that you're still looking to Him. That's the evidence that He's with you. And in Hebrews 11, the first three quarters of the Scripture, it's all glowing. You know, Abel offered a more sacrifice, excellent sacrifice than Cain, verse 4. Noah escaped the flood, verse 7. Abraham left the land of the Chaldeas, verse 8. Isaac and Jacob tabernacled in this world, looking to the Lord, verse 9. Sarah conceived a child, being past age of, con of conceiving, verse 11. And then he says in verse 13, These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they per were persuaded of them, and they embraced them, and they confessed of themselves that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And they that say such things plainly declare that this world is not their home, they're seeking a country. Now, oh, that's wonderful. But what about when we get down to the end of Chapter 11, verse 36. Now he's going to get into a second category called others. Others, O-T-H-E-R-S, others. Verse 36, had trials, cruel mocking, scourging, that's beatings, bonds, imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two cut in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, they were destitute, they were tormented. Verse 38, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. But notice what he says in verse 39, these all having obtained a good report card, they made an A+. Plus. God gave them an A+. Plus because they believed Him and they trusted Him regardless of their outward circumstances. 
It is very important that we understand that we must not equate our status in the world and with the world as a measure of God's blessings and presence with us. Don't do it. Here's what our Savior said. You'll, you'll recognize some of these. Beatitudes, you know, old, an old illiterate preacher will say, what, what, what do that mean, them, them Beatitudes? He said, well, it means this be your attitude. <laughs> this be your attitude. Blessed, blessed. Now, would you say if somebody is blessed, and some, some translators translate it happy, fine. Blessed, would you say that a person is blessed, that God is with the person that's blessed? I would equate blessed and the Lord's presence. If he's with me, I'm blessed. Okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, they shall be comforted. There's one thing I know, I can't come back from where I've never been. And I can't be comforted if I don't need it. You can't comfort a man that's got everything. You can't set a man free that thinks he's already free. The Lord is with those who are poor in themselves, and they realize it. The poor in spirit are they who think little of themselves, who are not filled with pride but with humility. And no matter what others think of them, they know themselves to be sinners. And they know that if they got what they deserved, if God dealt with them after their just deserts, they would be lost forever. That's the poor in spirit. Well, what are they mourning about? Why are they mourning? Perhaps they are mourning over themselves. Perhaps they're mourning over their sins, over their failures, over their shortcomings. When you look at them, they may look happy. They may look contented. They may be successful. They may be in a high-rise building. They may drive three automobiles and have a 10,000-square-foot house. But inside, they're mourning. You think the Apostle Paul was a great man? I do. I think the Apostle Paul was a great man, but listen to him speak of himself. He said, I'm carnal, sold unto sin. I do what I shouldn't do, and I don't do what I should do. I know that in me that is in my flesh that dwells no good thing. Oh, wretched man that I am, not that I was. With the mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. Now, a lot of people... Theologians included have tried to get around that by saying, well, what Paul's talking about there, he's talking about himself in the past before he was converted. I suggest to you that Paul is talking about his present state and he's talking about the natural state of every sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. Amen. You see, Paul is a man who is poor in spirit and he mourns with him. He mourns in himself. He mourns over himself. He mourns with himself, even though at the same time he rejoices in the grace of God. And the Lord says that those who are poor in spirit are blessed. 
He says he is with them. He says that those who mourn their poorness of spirit are blessed that he is with them. I don't think anything could be any clearer than that. And he says that they will be comforted. Who will comfort them? He will comfort them. When will they be comforted? How will they be comforted? Let me suggest this. They'll be comforted, first of all, by the communication of his spirit with their spirit. They'll be comforted by his word, which they hide in their hearts. And they will be comforted by his promises, which they do believe. Jesus went on to say this, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Great is your reward in heaven. That's the way they persecuted the prophets which were before you. In today's Western society, we tend to shame those who walk with the Lord regardless of the social trend because they are out of state. They are out of step. They are social Neanderthals. And if you want to get into politics, they are politically incorrect. As a result... They will be spoken against. They will be resisted, and the time may come when they will even be persecuted. Our Savior says, rather than be cast down when we are persecuted or resisted or rejected or spoken against for righteousness' sake, for trying to be obedient to Him, He says, rather than be cast down, we should rejoice. Why? Because we will be counted as being in the family of the prophets, because our reward in heaven is great, because God is with us. So the blessed person is the person with whom the Lord is, regardless of his inward or outward state. The Lord was with Joseph even when he was at a low point. Let me share again with you what the psalmist says in Psalm 105 about Joseph. Let me read to you what the inspired word says about one of Joseph's low points. Listen to this now. It says, The Lord called for famine in the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them named Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Listen to this now. Whose feet were hurt with fetters, and his neck was put in an iron collar. You seen those documentaries on television about black slaves who have the chains on their feet and iron collars. Joseph was like that. So here's the question. Was the Lord with Joseph when he was sold as a slave? Was the Lord with Joseph when his feet were hurt with fetters, when his neck was put in an iron collar? Well, you read the next verse in Psalm 105, verse 19, and it says, His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord tested him. Yes, the Lord was with him. 
And we know it because he continued to walk with the Lord. He continued to believe the Lord, the, uh, the word of the Lord. In spite of his circumstances, the Lord blessed him. The Lord held him up. He was severely tested, but he persevered in faith because the Lord was with him. I got news for you. When Christians persevere, when they keep going, it's because the Lord is holding them up. Believe me, if he doesn't hold me up, I'm gone. I'll be gone if he doesn't hold me up. People say, take care of yourself. I say, I can't do it. <laughs> I've already tried it. I asked the Lord to take care of me, but I can't take care of myself. Even when Joseph passed through very low, low points in his life, the Lord was with him. And then it's after this in Psalm 105 that we begin to read about some of the high points. It says in verse 20 of Psalm 105, the king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people loosed him and let him go free. And he made him lord of his house and ruler of all his substance to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his senators wisdom. He went from the jailhouse to the king's throne to being governor in Egypt. So the point I'm making to you now, don't misunderstand this. We tend to be too hard on ourselves sometimes. Maybe not. Maybe we need to be harder. But here's the point that I'm making to you. When I talk about faithfulness unto the Lord, I'm not talking about all the little individual things that you're faithful and unfaithful. I'm talking about this. This is very important. I'm talking about you persevere. That's what I'm talking about. You keep on. It's an indication when you persevere that the Lord is with you. God's people don't quit him. By the grace of God, they get back up and they start over again. And even if we have failed, if we have sinned, as we sing every Sunday morning, to whom shall we go? Lord, if I withdraw myself from thee, to whom shall I go? He's promised he's not going to withdraw himself from us. You say, well, I don't think that's biblical. Well, Peter said, when the Lord said, who do men say that I am? Well, they, they say, some of them say you're Elijah. Some of them say you're one of the Old Testament prophets. Who do you say that I am? We say you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, well, all that the Father gives me shall come to me, and him that comes to me I will in no, cast, no wise cast out. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up. And it said, from that time many went away. When Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, that's in John chapter 6, and I'll raise him up, many went back. And Jesus said, will you also go away? And they said, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we are sure that you are the Messiah, the eternal Son of God. The Lord was with Joseph when he was bound in prison. He was with him when he was a slave in the house of Potiphar. And he'll be with him when he's governor of Egypt. And my friends, listen, if your hope of salvation is Jesus Christ, I don't care what you've done or what you haven't done, if your hope of salvation is Jesus Christ, the Lord is with you, 
The Lord has not forsaken you. You may feel forsaken at times because of your own sins. You may wonder how in the world he could love you. Join the crowd. I believe that's something about being poor in spirit and mourning. But what the bottom line is, it doesn't depend on your love for him. It depends on his love for you. It doesn't depend on what you do for Jesus. It depends on what Jesus has done for you. So here's the lesson. The testing period, this testing period of Joseph's life, you say, Brother Sasso, what does it have to do with me? Well, I'm going to tell you. This testing period of Joseph's life corresponds with our journey through this world on the way to our promised land. You remember what happens when you read the last chapter of Genesis when Joseph died? Before he died, he called people in and knew him, and he said, listen, I'm dying. But he said, one of these old days, the Lord's going to fulfill that promise he made. He's going to get you out of Egypt. You're going to the promised land. And he said, when you go, take my bones with you and bury them there. I want to be buried in the promised land. What is that? That's a statement of faith. That's a statement that he's going to trust God. Even though the Lord didn't seem to fulfill those promises while he was alive, he was on the way to the promised land. And that's where I'm on. I'm on, I'm on the way to the promised land. The real promised land. And so I want you to know that this testing period of time with Joseph corresponds with our journey through this world on the way to our promised land. land. This is a time of testing. This is a time of temptation. This is a time of living in a world filled with people who are not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are not, they don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with Christ. And I want you to know, and I want you to settle this in your heart Ask the Lord to help you that if you have indeed believed on God's Son, He is with you all the way in every circumstance, in every situation, even in the lowest points of your life. He does not, listen now, He does not cast you off because you have failed. His faithfulness does not fail us when we fail Him. He stands ready to forgive you, ready to restore you, ready to guide you, ready to bless you. Let's look at this passage. I could just quote it to you, but it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you care to turn to it in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to read some verses and make a few comments about those verses. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 10. Beginning at verse 10. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying... If we're dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. 
Now let me make these, these points, and you can look at this verse when I'm making them. The first thing is this, God will save His elect. All who are called and all who are called are saved. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those He calls, it says, Romans 8, 28. All things will work together. He will save His elect. Number two, the elect will obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Number three, we died when He made us alive. You see that? It's a faithful saying, if we're dead with Him, we shall live with Him. What that means is when you came to know Christ, you had a death and a burial, and then you had a resurrection in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You're a new person. You have a new destiny. You have a new uh, purpose in your life. Number four, if we suffer. Now, you see that phrase? I'm reading from the King James Version, verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. You check me out on this. Suffer here just means if we endure. That's all it means. He didn't say you're going to suffer. He said you could if you do. But if you endure, if you endure, if you persevere. Then he says, number five, he says, if we will not confess him, with our mouths and with our lives, if we deny Him, He will not confess us before the Father. If we deny Him, He will deny us. Isn't that what it says? And then number six, it says, if we believe not. Now what does that mean? It means if we're unfaithful. Did you know that whatsoever is not of faith is sin? But you know, when you do something and you sin against God, that means you're unfaithful. It says, if we believe not, which means if we are unfaithful, yet He is faithful. And on the seventh place, it says, His very nature is faithfulness. He cannot deny Himself. Brother Sasser, what happens if people just keep on sinning? Well, I could show you passages in the Bible in which uh, we learn that the Lord just took them out. He took them out. He took them out of the world. Read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 13 about the Lord's Supper. Paul said, many of you have had a bad attitude when you take the Lord's Supper. And for this many, for this reason, many are sickly among you and many sleep. Many are dead. Their bodies are dead. Arthur Pink believed that pruning the vines in the Gospel of John, when he cuts them off and throws, Arthur Pink believed that was the cutting off of some of God's saints. He took them out of the world because they continued in a type of disobedience. I've talked to you many times about the chastening hand of God. He chastens those whom he loves. Read it. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. Chastening doesn't just mean you're going to get in a wreck and break your neck. 
Chastening might mean an inner chastening. It might be an inner mourning, an inner saying, I, I, I'm guilty. I can't, I can't find myself out of this darkness because of my own foolishness. That can be the chastening hand of God. But I'm here to tell you that his very nature is faithfulness, and he cannot deny himself. The three things God can't do. He can't lie. He can't die. Well, I could say four. He can't be deceived. <laughs> and he cannot deny himself. Can't lie, die, or deny himself. So this is the first thing I want you to learn today. Our God is faithful even when we are not. And he is with us during our time of testing. As we walk through this world, he's with us in the lowest of low times, not just in the highest of high times. And he always stands ready to forgive us and to help us when we sincerely call upon him. That's the nature of God's presence. Okay? Now let's look at the second thing, the invincibility of God's blessings. When something is invisible, invincible, it means it's too powerful to be defeated or overcome. So God's blessings, God's presence with his people is too powerful to be defeated or overcome. Not by demons, not by men, not by time, not by circumstances. To overthrow the blessings of God, to overthrow the promises of God, to overthrow the purposes of God is to overthrow God. And to overthrow God, that is an impossibility that is only imagined in the depraved hearts of depraved men. Psalm 2 makes this very clear. I'm going to give you my translation. Why do the heathen rage against God? Why do the people make these useless plots? Their kings, their prime ministers, their presidents, their dictators, sometimes their senators and congressmen, plot against the Lord and against the king he chose. The king he chose is Jesus. And I told you, I had a friend that was invited to open for prayer in, at Congress in Washington, D.C. And they told him, they said, we want you to come in and open this session of Congress with prayer. But you can't do it in the name of Jesus. That's what I told I told you what I would do. I'd say, okay, with my fingers crossed. And when I got in there, I'd say, Lord, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, don't call him the man upstairs. He's got a name. At the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue is going to confess to the glory of God that this man Jesus is Lord. He says here, their kings, their prime ministers, their presidents, their dictators plot against the Lord and against the king he chose. And they say, this is all Psalm 2, my rendition of it. They say, let us free ourselves from their rule. Let us throw off their control. 
From his throne in heaven the Lord laughs and mocks their feeble plans. And then he warns them in anger and terrifies them with his fury. And he says, on Zion, my sacred hill, I have established my king. Bow to him. He said, if you don't bow to him, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to put you in hell. Read it. It's Psalm 2. My friends, in spite of all that Rome could do, in spite of all that the Jews could do, God's purposes by and through his Son were carried out. He even used Rome and he used the Jews to fulfill his purposes regarding his Son. Acts, we just can't get away from this passage, can we? This book of Acts... I just want you to make sure that I'm not just telling you something that's not in the Bible. We'll have to deal with everything that's in the Bible. We can't just pick out favorite verses and say, oh, I like that one. That's when I'll, I'll stand on that one. We've got to deal with all of them. So in Acts chapter 4, when the disciples were threatened for preaching in the name of Jesus and healing in the name of Jesus and all of that, when they lifted up their voice to God and they said, Lord, you made heaven. This is Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. And he gets down to verse 26. And you know what he's doing in verse 26? He's quoting what I just told you, Psalm 2. He quotes Psalm 2. Who by the mouth of your prophet, your servant David, said, verse 25, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Of a truth, against your holy child Jesus, whom you anointed. Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. Look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. They did what they wanted to do, and they did the will of God in spite of themselves. I say it all in spite of what Rome could do, in spite of what the Jews could do, in spite of what the devil could do, in spite of what Judas could do, the purpose of God through his son was carried out. And listen to me now. In spite of all that may come against you and that may come against me, the plan and the purpose of the Lord concerning us will be carried out. Now, sometimes it is my job to say what other people can't say or won't say. So I hear preachers say something like this, and this is very confusing to me. Very confusing. And if you've heard preachers say this, they say, look, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. And you need to find out what that purpose is. And you need to be doing that. Let me tell you something. That is confusion to me. Let me, let me. let me simplify it for you. God's purpose for you is for you to worship His Son, to serve His Son, 
to glorify his son and all the other things in your life, he will take care of. There ain't no special purpose in your life apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You just keep your eyes on him. You serve him. You do all you can to glorify him. You do what you can to praise him. And I guarantee you the Lord will guide you wherever he wants you to go. And he'll make you a success wherever he wants to make you a success. But we need to quit talking about uh, having, what, the, what purpose, what is, Lord, the pur- what's my purpose? What do you want me to do? I'll tell you what his purpose is, to serve his son and glorify him. That's his purpose. And he'll take care of all this other stuff. Years ago, there was a woman that came to a pastor friend of mine, and he said, what is your problem? She said, I just can't find assurance. I can't find assurance. I just keep looking. I can't find assurance. He said, quit looking for assurance and start looking to Christ. And you'll find assurance. Look to Christ. Quit looking for some feeling or something else. Just look to him, and you'll find these other things. God will reveal them to you. He'll show them to you. Certainly we ought to know by now that what the Lord blesses, men and devils cannot curse. But we must also know that although these demons and devils cannot turn God's blessings into curses, the Bible says that wicked spiritual powers can bring us much trouble and trial. Let me read this to you. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This is in the book of Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the tricks of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not with human beings, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, that's evil spiritual forces in high places. So take to you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now no doubt we forget, we often forget that there is a spiritual realm with spiritual forces which war against the souls of men. And although these spiritual enemies cannot turn the blessings of the Lord into curses, they can do a lot of damage and they can provide a lot of opposition. If you don't believe that, listen to old Paul here. You believe Paul was God's servant? Listen to what he said. Five times I was given 39 lashes by the Jews. Three times I was whipped by the Romans. Once I was stoned, I've been in three shipwrecks. Once I spent 24 hours in the water, I've been in dangers from floods and from robbers and dangers from fellow Jews and from Gentiles. There have been dangers in the cities, dangers in the wild, dangers on the high seas, dangers from false friends. There has been much weariness and painfulness. Often I have gone without sleep. I have been without food or shelter or clothing. Surely that man has done something wrong. Do you know it says about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know this? I'll let you find this in your own Bible. It says about the Lord Jesus Christ that when they saw him and they saw all that he suffered, they said, he, he, must, he must be a great sinner. And he was a great sinner in that he took all our sins on him. 
He's the greatest sinner that ever lived because all of our sins were charged to his account. And he drank the cup of judgment and damnation dry. If we saw a man go through all this stuff that I just told you about Paul, that's found in 2 Corinthians 11, by the way, we would think this is a man upon whom the blessing of God does not rest. <laughs> uh, we distance ourselves from him. But here's a man that wrote 14 books in the New Testament. One would think that'd be enough. I think Paul could learn his lesson through all that, don't you? No, here's what else he says. He said to keep me from being puffed up with pride because of the abundance of revelations given me, the wonderful things that I saw, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a painful physical ailment, the messenger of Satan to beat me lest I should become conceited and proud. Now by this we see that the Lord can even use these evil beings to serve his own purpose in our lives, just as he can and does use wicked men in the same way, but he has at the same time has his hand upon us. Although the blessing of the Lord was upon Peter, nevertheless he was arrested and thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, and tradition says that he was crucified. Stephen, a deacon in the church of Jerusalem, was stoned to death. But the blessing of the Lord remained on him. You know, we need to quit talking sadly when a saint of God leaves this world. What greater reward can one have than to die for the sake of Christ? What greater honor than to be personally welcomed by him in glory? And Stephen said, it's in the book of Acts, he said, I see Jesus I see him standing up to welcome me, and they threw the stones and they killed him. And when he was dying, he was praying for them, Lord, do not hold this to their charge. Job's family and business can be struck with disaster and death, but Job can't be cursed. You better think about this now, because even when Job was struck with terrible boils, from the sole of his feet to the crown, of his head, he was not cursed. And the end of Job's life bore testimony of the fact that he was blessed by the Lord, his health was restored, and his wealth and children were doubled. And so we see the nature of God's blessings, and we see the invincibility of God's blessings. I'm going to close with this. How should we conduct ourselves then in this, through this life? in this time of testing, when we're not guaranteed. The Lord didn't say, you don't have any storms. He said, I'll be with you in the storms. Is that what he said? So what should our attitude be? Here I miserably fail. I'll tell you that as your teacher and friend and pastor. How did Joseph conduct himself in all of this? Hey, listen to me now. You have to know that Joseph could not have been a morose, sullen, gloomy, complaining, lazy man. He had to have been of a cheerful disposition and possessed a work ethic second to none to influence all these people. They were influenced by him. It was God working through him. But You, you never heard Joseph say, woe is me. Lord, what's that for? 
You never heard him say that. How is it possible for one to be of this mind? Can we be of this mind and attitude? And studying the scriptures, we learn these secrets about having that mind and that attitude. Number one, very simple. Joseph was completely resigned to the will of God. He was completely resigned to the will of God. He believed God was in charge of everything. When he drove a chariot down the road and dust flew up, he believed that every one of those pieces of dust fell where God wanted them to fall. See, the sovereignty of God doesn't mean we're not free to do what we want to do. You can do what you want to do. You better pray the Lord doesn't let you do what you want to do. We're supposed to be praying, not my will, but thine be done, aren't we? Joseph was completely resigned to the will of God, even in affliction. Number two, Joseph believed God. And he had been told by means of those two dreams that he was destined for greatness, and he believed God. The Bible says, them that honor me, I will honor. And listen to me, and I close with this. There's no higher means of honoring God Almighty, no higher means of honoring Him than by believing Him. It's not just your money, it's not your time, it's not your talent. The greatest honor you can give to the Lord of Scripture is to believe Him. Do we believe the record he's given of his son? Listen to this. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Messiah? He is the Antichrist, the enemy who rejects both the Father and the Son. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in his own heart. He that does not believe God has made him a liar because he does not believe the record that God gave of his Son. Now, believing the record that the Father has given us of His Son doesn't omit or eliminate obedience. He just says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments. As a liar, the truth is not in Him. 1 John 2, 4. You ought to have an obedient spirit all the time trusting Him, knowing that we're going to fail. The same guy that wrote these verses in 1 John said, if you say you haven't sinned, you're deceiving yourself. Same God. So listen, faith doesn't replace obedience. Just because we're not saved by our obedience does not mean we should not seek to obey with all of our hearts. In fact, it's just because we do believe that we obey. So this should teach us that the promises and the blessings of God are not limited to just the high times. They also apply to the low times. And we know that when we look at Joseph, because Joseph was faithful regardless of the times or the circumstances, and he was blessed in the midst of very adverse and difficult times and seasons. You remember how the Apostle Paul exhorted Timothy, his son in the faith? This is what he said to him. He said, Timothy, be ready to preach the gospel, whether it's convenient or not, whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2. So, beloved, no situation, no circumstance 
No time, no place can limit the promises, the purposes, and the blessings of the Lord upon his people. Tough times reveal what men really are. Last passage of Scripture. Hadn't planned on even using this, but I'm going I'm to share it with you if I can find it. If I can, I'll quote it to you. It's uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Let's see if I can find it. It is Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I said, tough times. This is a time of testing. We're going through this world. This is not heaven. And many of you have sustained losses. And many of you have brought guilt on yourself by disobedience. But I want you to know <laughs> that your unfaithfulness does not mean it doesn't unhorse the faithfulness of God. I want you to know that. That's important. So what do I do? I would pick myself up and I'd say, Lord, forgive me. And I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and I'd get started again. That's what I do. That's what I do. Because the Lord is going to fix it while we're going through this journey in this world. We're going to see who really believes something. Remember that story I told you years ago when communism was going on in Russia and everybody that worshiped the Lord had to meet underground? And there were a bunch of believers, only about 15 or 20 of them, meeting underground for a little Bible study and prayer. And all of a sudden, three guys came in and had guns. They said, okay, we're going to give you a chance here. We work for the government. It'd be our heads if they knew about it. But let me tell you this. Any of you that want to leave, you can leave. If you claim to be Christians, we can't have that over here. If you're going to leave, you can leave. They gave them two or three opportunities, and five or six, seven of them left. And when they left, they shut the doors, and those guys put their rifles down. They said, we just want to get all the unbelievers out. We're believers, too. Huh? <laughs> I feel like Florida too, girl. <laughs> we just want to get them out. Now, listen, the testing period is going to prove what we are. It's going to prove what we are. And the only thing that I say you can't do if you're a child of God is you can't quit. If you go back, then the Bible is very clear, very clear on this. In 1 John, he says, we've got a lot of folks among us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Read it. The Lord going to test us. Look at 1 Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 25. See that you do not refuse him that speaks. If they escaped not, if they did not escape who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn from him that speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying once more, this is Hebrews 12 verse 26, once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Watch this now. And this word, once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, uh, that is, the things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. What is that saying? It says that God's going to send a shaking, 
And everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. But those who can't be shaken, those who are anchored in Christ, those who are standing on the rock, they'll remain standing. But everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And as Psalm 105 said, and I read it to you, this was the testing time for Joseph. Tough times reveal what we really are. So by being aware of God's blessings, we understand that His blessings do not eliminate suffering or persecution. By being aware of the invincibility of God's blessings, we understand that nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Not even our own sins. And being aware of these two truths should strengthen us to serve the Lord cheerfully, willing to suffer for Him who suffered for us. Here's what Solomon said. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 3. He said, Gold and silver are tested by fire, and a person's heart is tested by the Lord. Read it in your Bible. May God add His blessings to the teaching of His Word. Let's stand together. My dear friends, the only security in this fallen world is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I saw a report the other day that said that the churches in this nation are in deep trouble, that people are leaving churches by the hundreds of thousands. Number one, they're not hearing anything. I wouldn't waste my time going to a church, much less supporting it, that does not uphold the gospel and the Word of God. I wouldn't do it. The blessing of God is not on such churches. The judgment of God is. And I just got through telling you that things are going to be shaken, and we're going to find out who believes what. People are going to continue to go to these dead places because they're dead. But if you're alive and you're in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to hear about Him. You want to hear about Him and what He's done for you. If you have not come to Christ, I plead with you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ Come hear his word, you'll be saved, the scripture says. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And may the Lord help you to do it. Let's sing, Under the Blood. Only one place we're safe, and that's under the blood of Christ. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the ages roll. I'm saved by the world may cry. I'm saved, though the stars would under the blood of Jesus, I am secure in Him. Now may the blood of the everlasting covenant 
be upon us, to make us perfect in every good work, working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. In his name we pray. Amen.